Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. I talk all the time about the importance of soil testing, and usually we're chatting about the nutrient deficiencies that can be discovered and amended through those test results. But what we don't talk about as frequently is one other result you get from a soil test, and that's your soil's pH. Most garden vegetables do best in a soil pH that's slightly acidic, generally between 5.8 and 7.0, with a few notable exceptions. But what does that mean? What is soil pH? How does it affect plant growth? And what can we do if our soil is too acidic or too alkaline to grow the garden plants we want to grow? In this episode, we'll dig into the basics of soil pH, how to prevent your soil from becoming excessively acidic or alkaline, and what we can do to safely adjust our soil pH when needed. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. Along the way, we'll talk about the food and agriculture issues that affect all of us and dig into topics that many of us may not be aware of. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. Before we begin, a warm welcome to my newest listeners in the Philippines. We are so glad you are here. Apologies, also, for skipping out on you all last week. If you follow this podcast on Instagram, you know we went out of town to Florida to visit family, and with all the stuff going on, I just didn't get a podcast episode posted. And I'll tell you, I so desperately wanted a warm week away from central Missouri winter weather, And as luck would have it, we got to Florida when they were anticipating frost. (laughs) And the outdoor wedding we attended took place in 38-degree temperatures. I can't win for losing sometimes, I'm telling you. But it did warm up off and on during the course of our trip, and I took advantage by sipping my morning coffee while sitting in the Florida sun, which was decidedly warmer than what we drove back into when we came home, which was sleet and snow and sub-zero wind chills. There is a reason we will never live any further north than where we do now. I do not know how you northern gardeners do it. Anyway, on to soil pH. I will forewarn you that the first part of this episode is going to be a little bit sciencey. You all know I love the science side of plant growth and soil health and all that, but I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. I do encourage you to try to absorb some of what I'm going to talk about, though, even if it's not really that interesting to you. I'm a firm believer in trying to understand the why behind something because it usually makes it much easier for us to follow the how of preventing or fixing those problems later on down the road. So let's start with defining what pH is. What are we measuring when we say a soil has a pH of 6.5, say? Soil pH 
is a measure of the hydrogen ion concentration in the soil solution. So in simple terms, the pH is the power of hydrogen, pH. The higher the concentration of hydrogen ions, the stronger the acidity, which can be a little confusing because pH is measured on a scale from 1 to 14. Below 7 is considered acidic, and above 7 is considered alkaline. 7 is perfectly neutral. So soils with a pH, say, of 5.5 to 4.5 are considered strongly acidic, and soils with a pH below 4.5 are considered extremely acidic. Anything above 7 is considered alkaline, and very alkaline is anything above 8.0. So since we're talking about it being measured on a scale from 1 to 14, in our brains sometimes it would think, okay, the higher concentration of ions means a higher number. That's not the case. A higher concentration of hydrogen ions means the stronger the acidity, which means it's lower on that scale, below 7. So how do soils become acidic or alkaline in the garden? Let's remember that soil is a mixture of organic matter and gases and liquids, minerals and organisms. All of these components working together form the microbiome of our soils. And the natural functions that each of these components perform continuously modifies the soil and its properties to include its pH. Soils become acidic, firstly, as a result of naturally occurring processes. The types of acid soils vary due to different conditions of soil formation, especially differences in climate, the parent material of the native soil, and the vegetation being grown. There are some soils that are just naturally acidic due to their native components. For example, sandy soils tend to have a lower ability for their elements to adhere to one another, which is what causes it to be grainy and prone to erosion. This lack of a bond is partly due to a large number of hydrogen cations floating around in there, which means generally sandy soils have a low pH and are slightly acidic. Other than naturally occurring processes, our own actions as gardeners can cause acidic soils to develop. The production and harvesting of high-yielding crops, like those that are concentrated in our gardens, can contribute to acidification of the soil. Our crops will absorb basic cations from the soil. What is a basic cation? It's a positively charged ion, things like potassium, calcium, and magnesium. Conversely, there are acidic cations. These are hydrogen and aluminum. This is an important distinction because with each harvest, the basic cations that are absorbed into these plants and contained in the harvested biomass are removed from the soil system. This leaves the acidic cations behind in the soil. When this happens over and over again, without those basic cations being added back into the soil, the acidic cations build up and the soil pH becomes more acidic. So in simpler terms, as those plants are pulling those things like the potassium and the calcium and magnesium from the soil, and then we are pulling the plants from that soil, if we are not adding those elements back into that soil, the only thing that's remaining behind are the acidic ones like the hydrogen and the aluminum.
And then finally, fertilizers can also acidify your soil. Applying a fertilizer that includes ammonium or ammonia as its nitrogen source decreases the pH of the soil. How does that happen? Ammonium and ammonia both contain hydrogen atoms. In the soil, ammonium and ammonia attach to the soil minerals and the organic matter. Over time, bacteria in the soil convert the ammonium or the ammonia into nitrate through the nitrification process. This is how these fertilizers add the nitrogen into the soil for the plants. But that process of nitrification is causing a change to the ammonium. The hydrogen atoms drop off, the nitrogen picks up oxygen atoms from the soil to become nitrate, and those hydrogen ions are released into the soil solution. Remember, the higher the concentration of hydrogen ions, the stronger the acidity. So this increases the hydrogen concentration in the soil and decreases the pH over time, causing the soil to acidify. The same thing can happen when using elemental sulfur. Many gardeners will use sulfur as a pesticide or a fungicide. It can work wonders on plants that are prone to fungal diseases from early spring rains or high humidity. But sulfur is converted to sulfuric acid by soil bacteria. So excessive use of sulfur for one problem can actually cause a completely different problem. So those are a few ways that your soil can become acidic. It's either through natural soil formation processes, heavy crop production without replacing those lost cations on the soil, and through overuse of ammonium fertilizers or elemental sulfur. Now, what about alkaline soils? How do those happen in the garden? Just like with acidic soils, you can start out with alkaline soils based on soil formation process and climate. In arid or desert areas where there's very little rainfall, soil tends to be more alkaline. Native soils in areas that are not arid, like areas with chalky soil that contain large amounts of lime, will also tend to have more alkaline soil pH. Clay soils also have a tendency to be alkaline. This is because the cation exchange capacity in clay is very high, meaning certain elements in clay soils have a tendency to be very strongly attracted to each other, and this attraction generally excludes some of the hydrogen-containing compounds. This means fewer hydrogen ions, which means a higher pH. Remember, the power of hydrogen is opposite, so lower hydrogen concentration means higher pH, and a more alkaline soil complex. But there are a few things that can cause a soil to become more alkaline over time. In most instances, it has to do with the amendments the gardener has used. Soils that are high in calcium and magnesium tend to be more alkaline. So if a gardener is adding calcium and other amendments at a high rate, this can lead to soil alkalinity. Another culprit is wood ash. Yes, wood ash is a great soil amendment because it contains lots of potassium, but it is very alkaline and can absolutely raise your soil pH if not applied in balance with other amendments or applied too heavy-handedly. And there is one other lesser-known way your soil can become more alkaline, and that's through your water source. Usually, using alkaline water to irrigate your garden can influence the pH of the soil a little bit, but not usually drastically. 
But sometimes, whether you're using municipal water or well water, water from a cistern or water from mountain runoff, the source of the water can contain a certain level of lime. And this could be for any number of reasons. If you're using natural springs, um, mountain runoff, or water that passes through limestone or over and through other rock formations, you may have a certain level of lime in the water. If your municipal or well water source is located near a highly agricultural area, it may also contain higher levels of lime. Initially, this wouldn't be much of an issue as, you know, the dose of lime that you're giving your soil isn't that high. But over time, lime can build up in the soil and that can cause it to become more alkaline. So now that we know what causes our soils to either be alkaline or acidic, what does that mean for our gardens and our beloved vegetables? And what do we do to fix a problem once we know it's there? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First, let's understand how our soil pH affects our garden crops. I said before that the preferred pH for most edible garden plants is between 5.8 and 7.0, with some exceptions. Blueberries, for example, like a more acidic soil, somewhere between 4.3 and 5.3. And that's why we don't grow blueberries at our place. We have a high clay content in much of our soil, and even our loamy soil tends toward the alkaline. If I wanted to grow blueberries on a large scale, I'd have to really amend my soil and keep a close eye on the pH, which is way too much work for us with all the other crops we grow. I've grown them in containers before, and I'm considering going back to that because it's pretty easy to manage if I'm just growing for us, and honestly, I love fresh fruit of any kind, especially berries. Something else that falls outside of that usual pH range of 5.8 to 7 is asparagus. Asparagus likes it between 6.5 and 7.5. We had a fabulous asparagus bed that got wiped out a few years back when we had three floods in one season. I have plans to put a new one in outside of the flood zone, and I have no doubt that our soil pH can handle staying in that range with no adjustments from me. But why does the soil pH matter to the plant? What it boils down to is soil pH affects how nutrients move through the soil. For example, in acidic soil, aluminum and manganese become more available, while calcium, phosphorus, and magnesium are less available to the plant. As we've discussed in multiple nutrient episodes, too much of any nutrient can be just as bad as too little of another, and in this case, we have both. Now, in a highly alkaline soil, Phosphorus and most micronutrients become less available. And as we've discussed, phosphorus is one of the six macronutrients needed by plants and is responsible for assisting with the growth of roots and the production of flowers. Phosphorus also helps plants withstand environmental stress. It strengthens the root system. It increases disease resistance. It's super important nutrient. Not having enough is very detrimental to the plant. 
The availability of the big three macronutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, varies dramatically in different soil pH, specifically in acidic soils. In a soil with a pH of 5.0, only 40% of the nitrogen in the soil is available, 35% of the phosphorus, and 50% of the potassium. Increasing that soil pH to 5.5 takes the nitrogen and the potassium up to 70% availability, but the phosphorus is still only at 45%. It's not till the pH gets to 6.5 that all three of those big nutrients are fully available to the plants. Now, understanding this means that you can tailor your plants to your soil. I mentioned that we don't grow blueberries, and that's specifically because of our soil pH. If you understand what the plants you're growing need the most of, it might be okay to have that soil at a pH of 5.5 if the plant isn't particularly demanding of phosphorus. It's also good to understand that if your plants are showing signs of deficiency, it may be way more effective to adjust the pH of the soil rather than to dump a bunch of fertilizers or amendments in the garden. Once again, the only way to know this is to perform a soil test. If your nutrient levels are pretty close to adequate or optimal, but your soil pH is at 5.5, adjusting the pH will likely show a world of difference in your plants. But if you choose to grow plants that do okay at that pH, you may not need to adjust anything at all. The same goes for a more alkaline soil. There are plenty of plant families that do just fine in soil that's between 7.0 and 7.5. So if you have an acidic soil and you just want to work with what you have, what can you grow? If your soil is between 5.0 and 6.0, you have options. Plants that tolerate a more acidic soil include potatoes, rhubarb, beets, cabbage, and carrots. Now, conversely, if your soil is more alkaline, somewhere between 7.0 and 8.0, you too have options. Uh, Plants that tolerate a sweeter soil include asparagus, beets, avocado, cabbage and cauliflower, carrots, and celery. Yes, some of those are repeated in both categories. Many brassicas and root vegetables can grow in a very wide range of soil pH. Others are much more temperamental for sure. So if you have soil pH problems and you want to grow more temperamental plants like tomatoes or cantaloupe, how do you adjust the soil pH in your garden? The good news is, if you had a university or mail-in soil test done and requested they give you recommendations, they will tell you how much of what to add to your soil to adjust your pH, the same way that they'll tell you what to do to adjust the nutrients. But if you used an off-the-shelf test kit or pH strips, you're on your own to figure it out. If your soil is acidic, a good way to raise the pH is by adding lime or wood ash. Now, I mentioned these things as the culprits for causing alkaline soils, which is why they make an excellent amendment to add to acidic soils to sweeten them up a bit. Now, unfortunately, how much to use is going to depend on the type of soil you have. For instance, if you want to raise the soil pH from 4.5 to 5.5 and you have sandy soil, you'll need to use about two and a half pounds of lime per 50 square feet of garden bed. But if you're dealing with clay soil, you'll need twice that amount. Loamy soil would require somewhere in between. Now using wood ash is a little different. 
it's hard to gauge the pH level of the ash and how much it and the other micronutrients will affect the soil. A good guideline is to add about a half an inch of wood ash over top of the soil and then mix it in about six to eight inches. It is not recommended to add more than a pound of wood ash to a 50 square foot space per year. Now, both the lime and the wood ash are going to need some time to work. So test your soil pH again in about 45 to 60 days to see if you need to make further adjustments. Be careful not to apply too much at once. Just like with any other soil amendment, too much too soon can cause too big of a change that you'll have to try to reverse. Now, if you have a smaller raised bed and you want to adjust the pH a little bit more rapidly, you can try either baking soda or oyster shell. Your oyster shell breaks down pretty rapidly, and you can add it directly around the plants as you put them in the soil. A couple of tablespoons per plant is fine. Just remember, oyster shell has a high calcium level, so don't use it if your soil is already on the high end for that nutrient. Baking soda, or sodium bicarbonate, is even faster acting. Sodium bicarbonate is highly reactive, and the change to your soil can occur within just a few days of treatment. One teaspoon of baking soda added to a gallon of water is enough to raise the soil pH. Water your garden with it. I recommend a spray bottle to make it spread more evenly. And then test again in a few days. Now, what if your soil is on the alkaline side, like ours is here? What can you do then, other than grow plants that like the alkalinity? Honestly, if your soil is only slightly alkaline, you may not need to do anything. If you're not seeing problems with your plant growth and your nutrient levels look sufficient, then no harm, no foul. If you know it needs to be adjusted or it's higher than 7.5, then let's talk about some options. Elemental sulfur is the first option. Like I mentioned before, it's widely available for both this purpose and as a fungicide. Be careful not to overdo it or you run the risk of lowering the pH too much, and that's a much worse problem to have. Once again, the addition of sulfur for lowering the pH is going to be based on your soil texture and the amount that you need to reduce the alkalinity. So if you want to reduce the pH by 1, so say from 8.0 down to 7.0, you will need way more in a clay soil than you would in a sandy soil. For clay soils, you need about 1.4 pounds. For loamy soils, about a half a pound. And for a sandy soil, just about a third of a pound for each 50 square feet of garden space. Give the sulfur time to react and check again in about four to six months. If you could amend in the fall and then check the pH again in the spring, you'll get another chance to amend the soil before spring planting starts. Once you've gotten the pH down to where you need it, it should stay at that level for a period of about five years, depending on your gardening practices. But the best bet is always to test yearly, just to be sure. Now, another option for lowering soil pH is vinegar. This is ideal for smaller gardening spaces and raised beds. Just like baking soda for acidic soils, vinegar is fast-acting and it's easy to get your hands on. The kitchen vinegar we use is a diluted version of acetic acid, and it has a pH of about 2.4. That's pretty acidic. Use a cup of vinegar diluted in a gallon of water and add it to your garden area. A spray bottle is handy here so you're not oversaturating one area and underwatering another. Test the pH again in a few days to a week to see where you're at and then proceed accordingly. 
One other option for lowering the soil pH is the use of sphagnum peat moss. Now, I'm not much of a proponent of peat moss because of the destructive nature of the harvesting process to the bogs where the peat moss grows. But if you can get your hands on sustainably harvested peat moss, you can incorporate it into the soil to break down and gradually reduce the soil pH. A bonus of this is it will help retain soil moisture. But be careful if you have heavy clay soils because it can cause them to become oversaturated. All right, so are you a little overwhelmed? <laughs> I know it's a lot to take in, but just remember, if your soil test comes back that you're pretty close to optimal on your nutrient levels, but your plants still seem to struggle a little bit, take a look at your pH levels. They can dramatically affect how your plants get their nutrients. And of course, the more soil organic matter, the better. Just be sure you're making any adjustments slowly. You don't want to make a bad situation worse by going to extremes. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you have any questions, jump into the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group and ask away. I'm always in there to answer questions, and I guarantee if you have a question, there are others with the same question that will also benefit from the answer. Talk to you soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon.